0: Let's pray together for a moment. Lord, thank you as we come to the scriptures this morning. We invite you to come, Holy Spirit. We we praise you that you promise that where two or more gather in, in the name of Jesus, you'll be with us. And so we welcome you. Open our hearts now, Lord. Open our minds. Open the scriptures to us. And take my words, Lord, and fill them that they might lead us to Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. <coughs> Sometime back, there was a news report about a new group of vegetarians. One of the group members was interviewed. She was a 28 year old woman named Christy Pugh. And this quote captures the viewpoint of her group. She said, I usually eat vegetarian, but I really like sausage. Which represents a growing number of people who eat vegetarian, but with some exceptions, they don't eat meat unless they like it. <laughs> now, as you can imagine, the real vegetarians, they aren't very happy about this new group. And so they put some pressure on these new vegetarians to change their name. And this is the name they selected. They're now called flexitarians. <laughs> and what I realize is that I'm a flexitarian too. I refuse to eat meat unless it's served to me. (laughs) Chrissy Pugh explained it this way. I really like vegetarian food, but I'm just not 100% committed. Flexitarian is a good way to describe how many of us come to the Lord, how we approach our commitment to God. I'm really taken with Jesus, but it's inconvenient to open my life to the poor and needy. I believe the Bible except for those parts that make me uncomfortable. I think church is a good idea unless it conflicts with my schedule. I love Jesus, but don't ask me to save sex for marriage. I believe what Jesus says, but don't make me forgive the person who hurt me. And giving, that's a good idea, but tithing 10% of my income to God, come on. I want to go to heaven, but I'm not 100% committed to Christ. Now, in our gospel lesson today in Luke 1, we have really the prototypical disciple, the prototypical God follower in the person of Mary. She's fully committed to God. She doesn't hold back. She has a faith And she has a life that is neither cold nor warm, but hot. Everybody say, it's hot. H, humble. Say humble. Humble. O, obedient. Obedient. And T, trusting. trusting. Hot, humble, obedient, and trusting. When the angel Gabriel appeared to her, he said to her this in verse 28. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. In verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Mary's troubled at the angel's greeting. She doesn't argue with the angel. She doesn't say, you've got the wrong person. She seeks to discern what the greeting might be. And that's at the heart of humility. She discerns, she ponders, she seeks God. And that's what a humble person does. She seeks God above all things. And later when Jesus is born, and we'll hear this on Christmas Eve, I hope you'll come join us for one of our many opportunities to worship. In Luke 2, 19, it says this, But Mary, this is after the shepherds come and the angels have been... Blah's gone on. It says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them or discerned them in her heart. She's got humility in the face of things she cannot comprehend and she doesn't fully understand. But instead of doing what so many of us do, cast aside anything we can't fully figure out, instead of demanding answers, Mary seeks to discern. She ponders. She seeks the Lord. She postures herself in a place to receive from God. And that is the heart of humility. Posturing oneself... Seeking the Lord, putting yourself where you can receive from the God who seeks to give to those who ask. I wonder, do you do this? Is your life being lived on God's timetable in God's way? Not always understanding fully and yet saying yes, like Mary did. Do you take this kind of posture of humility before God? Open, receptive, waiting on God and on God's timetable? Or do you tend to just blow through life? And if it's not according to your schedule, well, then you just press on anyway. Gabriel goes with the message. He says this in verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary hears that she's going to be an active participant in the work of God. In fact, uniquely so. Like no other person before or after. It, it's interesting because Catholics tend to over-inflate Mary. And Protestants tend to under-inflate Mary who she is but think about it think about the heart of humility that she expresses she's told you're not going to be the star of the show he is you're not going to be in the lights he is you're not going to be the one that everything is shaped around he is and she humbly said yes yes You know, over the years, there's several things that God whispers to me at various times. Often he says to me, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you, especially when fear tries to come in. But another thing that he says usually comes when things are not going my way, when I've been slighted or scorned or passed over or looked beyond. And what the spirit says to my heart in those times is, Chris, go lower still. Go lower. That's the heart of Mary. Is your heart a heart that's willing to go lower still, even when you're slighted? Or do you have to have the last word in every conversation? Do you always have to be understood? And if you're not, you demand that those around you understand. What do you do when you're looked over? Underestimated. slighted? Do you have to be first? Do you have to be right? Or can you be humble? Can you be humble? The scripture says this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Mary received a tremendous amount of grace because her heart was so incredibly humble. Do you defend yourself or do you open yourself? to what God might show you even in those places that are incredibly uncomfortable and often where your rights are being overlooked. Well, I would say to you, go lower. Go lower still. Take the low place. That's the place of the humble where God is often met. So we see in Mary this deep humility that we're called to emulate, but we also see in her an obedience Obedience gets a bad rap sometimes, especially for those of us who are big on grace. We can't earn our salvation. We can't merit what what Jesus has done for us. But sometimes we let go of obedience because we've rightly gotten a hold of grace. And yet we see in Mary someone who is deeply obedient. Verse 38, and Mary says, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Do you hear the obedience there? Do you hear her heart? Let it be to me as you have said. God, let it be your way, according to your word, by the ways of your kingdom, according to your character, in the way you do things, Lord. Not my way. Simply put, she was willing to obey what the Lord asked her to do, even though it was going to have a great cost. There's a great story in the book, A Life in Our Times, by John Kenneth Galbraith. He told about their family housekeeper. And one day, President Lyndon Johnson, yes, President Lyndon Johnson, called the home. Now, back in those days, this is for the younger people in the room, they didn't all have cell phones. They had what's called landlines, one phone in the house that everybody had to share. And so the president called, and Emily Wilson answered, the landline. And he barked out, this is Lyndon Johnson. Get me Ken Galbraith immediately. And she said, I'm sorry, sir. I can't do that. And he said, what? Go get him. No, sir. I cannot do that. She said, why not? Well, he's asleep, sir. Well, go wake him up. No, sir. I can't do that. Well, why not? Because he said, under no circumstances am I to be woken up. And she hung up the phone. The president called back later and Ken Galbraith said, Who is that woman? Can she come work for me, please? <laughs> you see, she worked for Ken Galbraith, not the president. And that's a costly kind of obedience. Rarely would we see that in others. The scripture says to obey is better than to sacrifice, even if we were to give up things for God. And we're often called to do that. Our obedience is an offering that delights his heart. He actually wants us to do what he says. Not because he's the celestial cosmic killjoy who's trying to make your life worse, trying to keep you from joy or fun. It's because God knows that his ways bring life. And what happens, the thing that our culture doesn't understand is that our obedience to God actually brings freedom into our lives. Our flesh, our culture, the world, the enemy says, no, 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 if you obey, you'll be miserable. No, 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 if you obey, you'll be in a place of life and love and peace. There'll be no separation between you and God. We're so driven by the tyranny of our world and the tyranny of our own sin and the tyranny of our enemy, whose will is only to kill and steal and destroy And yet when we obey, we take ourselves out of that realm of tyranny. Mary was obedient. She said, let it be to me according to your word. And you see that continue in her life, right? In John chapter 2, at the wedding of Cana in Galilee, when Jesus' first miracle is done, she turns to the servants, right? They've run out of wine. And he says, fill up the jars. She says to them, do whatever he says. It's obedience, makes no sense to fill jars full of water when what you need is wine. And yet when we obey, we'll often see miracles in our lives. The presence of God meeting us in that place. Lastly, she was trusting, humble, obedient, and trusting. Verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. In the face of the angel's response, which didn't make any sense, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be both man and God, Holy. What does Mary do? She doesn't argue. She does wonder, how can this be possible physically? This is this, How can it be? I've never been with a man. How can this happen? But notice that God is not upset with her. There's no lash back to Mary's question. There's nothing wrong with questions when they're coming from a heart of faith. We saw last week, Zechariah, if you were here with us, Zechariah, who was the priest and should have known and had all the opportunities to respond in faith, actually didn't trust in the midst of his question. And yet here is Mary just simply saying, I don't understand. And yet I'm yours. Her trust is what allowed her to yield, to say yes to God, to yield. And that's the heart of what it means to be a disciple. We follow our Lord. We trust our Lord. We trust him in our salvation. We trust him in our life. We trust him even in our death. Trust is at the heart of what it means to be a disciple. Are you willing to trust? Are you still trying to make deals with God and saying, just bless my plans? Are you you willing to yield your plans, your life, your future, your family, your career, your finances, your schoolwork, your sports teams to the Lord? Or does it have to be your way? First scripture I ever memorized, Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge me, the Lord says, and I will direct your steps. The beauty of trust that comes out of our obedience and out of our humility is that God's guidance comes along the way to show the way forward in whatever he asks you to do. So I ask you, as we're moving toward Christmas, as we're about to celebrate this incredible thing that our God, out of love for us, would enter into the creation because of his willingness to pour out grace upon those of us who do not deserve it and cannot earn it. Is your heart moving more toward humility or is it racked with pride? Are you finding yourself growing in obedience or stubbornly folding your arms before God? Are you willing to trust him no matter what that might look like? The beauty is this. If your answer is, gosh, I find myself more toward pride than humility, more toward disobedience than obedience, more towards mistrust than trust, we come to a throne of grace. He's more ready and willing to meet you in your places of brokenness than you could ever imagine. But it does take a humble heart to admit your need. Will you do that? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, have mercy upon us. We thank you that, that Mary is this, this prototype, this paragon of discipleship. She is so beautiful in the way she approached you, Lord. Lord, may our hearts be like Mary's heart. May our lives be like her heart. May we be hot for you, Lord. May the qualities of humility and obedience and trust, may those be the hallmarks of our lives. And Lord, we need your help to do it. We need your grace in order for this to be so. We pray, Lord, asking in Jesus' name. Amen.